0: Buddy, we are so very excited to introduce you to the brand new FP Next podcast from Farm Progress. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah McNaughton, and I'm here with Kurt Arns.
1: Hi, Sarah. I'm here and anxious to talk about this new podcast endeavor and what it can do for our farmer and rancher listeners.
0: Me too. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to get into what you can expect from this latest offering, but first we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves as all good ag media editors do. Uh, My name again is Sarah McNaughton, and I'm the editor of Dakota Farmer, and I cover North and South Dakota agriculture.
1: Yeah, so I'm Kurt Arns, and I'm I'm Sarah's neighbor to the south. I'm the editor of Nebraska Farmer.
0: Yeah, and if you are not currently familiar with what All Farm Progress is and what we cover, we're going to give you the down low on what else we offer aside from your new favorite podcast, the official explanation that you can find on Wikipedia. Is that Farm Progress is the publisher of many farming and ranching magazines dating back over 200 years. Those ma- those publications include Farm Futures, Farm Press, and of course regional magazines from across the country. Kurtz, I think Farm Progress goes way above and beyond that description. Why don't you fill us in a little bit more?
1: Yeah, Sarah, I can I can give you the nickel tour of our coverage, and it's it's pretty wide. Uh, we're quite <laughs> literally your neighbors. I mean, we have publications covering pretty much. All sectors of ag all across the country. I mean, Sarah and I are here at Dakota Farmer and Nebraska Farmer, but in our Farm Progress family, there's the farmer in neighboring Minnesota, Wisconsin agriculturist, Missouri ruralist, and Kansas farmer, Western farmer stockman. That's just the West group. And we can't forget about Wallace's farmer in Iowa, Prairie farmer in Illinois. And I think, Sarah, Abraham Lincoln was a subscriber of Prairie Farmer back in the 1840s, so that's kind of cool.
0: Oh wow! Then we,
1: yeah, I know. Then we go to yeah. Indiana Prairie Farmer, um, American Agriculturist. So that's in the Northeast, which also includes Ohio Farmer and Michigan Farmer. Then we have the West, the Farm Press Group, and that'd be Western Farm Press, Southwest Farm Press, Delta, and Southeast Farm Press. And and that doesn't cover our national pubs like Farm Futures that you just mentioned our livestock publications like National Hog Farmer, Feedstuffs, and Beef. But my first question, one of my questions, you know, after this nickel tour is, I mean, a lot of our listeners might be asking, why are we calling this podcast FP Next? I get the FP part because that's farm progress, but what's the next part about?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, everyone here in agriculture is so interested in supporting, encouraging, and promoting that next gen on the farm and in the field. So that's a big part of the name. And then, of course, farmers and a lot of us in ag are always interested to see like what's coming up next, whether that's the next tech, the next improvement in genetics, next upgrade coming to a piece of machinery, the next weather pattern or the next market trend. We're always asking what's next. And so we want to answer some of those burning questions to help our listeners be more productive and profitable in their operations and to take good care of your families on the farm. But Kurt, talking about all of your experience covering Nebraska agriculture, what's your story looked like down there in Nebraska?
1: Well, you know, I a lot of my story starts on the farm. I farmed full time for 25 years uh, before I before I started this gig with Farm Progress. Um, so a lot of trial and error, and I I can you know relate very well with our listeners and readers of our magazines because I I was there for a long time. Um, But I always freelanced, did a lot of freelance writing to kind of fill in and, and, you know, help out with the finances. So in 2010, my father passed away. My wife was pregnant with our fourth child and we didn't have much for health insurance. And the editor of Nebraska Farmer at that time, Don McCabe, um, called me and said, you know, would you be interested in a full time gig with the magazine? And, uh, you know, I've been freelancing for Nebraska farmer for a long time. And, and so it wasn't that difficult to say yes. And I thought I could farm and write at the same time. So I tried that for a couple of years, but if, Mm -hmm. if any of our listeners remember the big drought of 2012, um, at that time, you know, we, we sold our cows, we didn't have any pasture left and, and I rented out my crop ground to a neighbor and, you know, started doing this full time. So, I was a field editor for Nebraska Farmer and Dakota Farmer for a long time. And then in 2021, about the same time you came on, Sarah, I think at Dakota, um, in January Mm -hmm. 2021, I I became the editor, 17th editor of Nebraska Farmer um, since we were founded in 1859. So, I'm pretty humbled and feel pretty blessed to be, you know, sitting in the chair where I am, I guess. And, and, uh, you know, we still live on the farm. (laughs) My wife and I, have four children, and we still have a few cows, horses, chickens, ducks, a lot of barn cats, and a couple dogs. So um, kind of getting <laughs> to live the best life, I think. so what's what's your story? How'd you get to Dakota Farmer?
0: Yeah. well, you're already with like the number editor you are and everything. I didn't even think to try to find that out. Um, but I started off working uh, covering North Dakota, Minnesota, and South Dakota agriculture um as a farm broadcaster for a radio station based out of Fargo North Dakota and then after I was there I actually took a brief hiatus from the ag media scene and I went over to county extension so for NDSU extension in Cass County for a couple years and that was as their 4-H youth development agent and I was working on my master's in extension at the time so it was a great fit and then during the whole, um, I don't know if we can actually say COVID without it getting censored. I've heard some issues with that on podcasting, but anyways, during the COVID pandemic, I actually moved out west into Western North Dakota, and then from there, extension is not a remote job, and so I was looking for something to be more remote. Get back into ag media, miss covering agriculture, visiting with farmers. Um, you know, I implemented a lot of ag into my 4H program as much as I could, but. I just really miss being in ag journalism. So an offer came across from a friend at a chemical company that they were looking for a new editor of Dakota Farmer. And I'd heard, of course, of the Farm Progress show. And I found our current boss's email somewhere on the internet. And I sent her an email saying that I had just applied. And I couldn't wait to talk to her to join the team. And then here we are. I think we're coming up on three years we've both been working at for yeah. Farm Progress and like the editor position. So Kurt beat me to it by just a month. but. Yeah, so that's how I ended up here, was just wanting to work remote and then followed my significant other out to Western North Dakota. Western, of course, is actually Central North Dakota, unless you're from the Valley. But so yeah, so now I live in Bismarck and I cover North and South Dakota. And it is just my absolute favorite thing to be able to just hop in the car and go drive out to see a farmer's, text a couple here and there, ask them how everything's looking. And yeah, that's kind of where I started off and still am in ag media.
1: Yeah, and the funny part is I can see Sarah's territory probably from my place because I'm basically just a (laughs) stone's throw from South Dakota. I live up in in northeast Nebraska, so I'm not that far away. Um, You know, now that we kind of have talked a little bit about how we got into our careers and that kind of thing, I thought it would be fun if we played a little 10 questions or 20 questions or however many questions we feel like answering Mm -hmm. among each other, you know, so we'll go back and forth, kind of give our listeners an idea of, Some of a little bit deeper dive, I guess, into our lives and what we think about and some of the things we like to cover. But uh, I got I got a question for you, Sarah. So you've covered a Mm -hmm. lot of stories for Dakota Farmer over the last few months. What would be one of your favorites that you'd like to talk a little bit about?
0: It's a great question. Um, So there's so many stories. And I know somebody I was just talking to the other day asked me that same question. So I've had some practice on this recently. But one of my favorite stories I just covered is it's actually going to be our January cover story for Dakota Farmer. And it was the story of Heather Beener, who grew up on a farm near Millette, South Dakota, and through a myriad of different things going on in her life, ended up um, in law school and as a JAG lawyer in the Air Force. And I grew up in an Air Force family, so I was very excited to cover that story and talk with her and then talk about her transition out of active duty into the reserves and then back home to farming full time and taking over the farm and then having her husband join on and just talking about how they're raising their family and down in South Dakota. Um, and that's always exciting to hear someone who's been globe trotting and still picked to come home to South Dakota is the best place on, on earth. So yeah, that was my story. What about, what's your favorite story, Kurt?
1: Oh man, <clears throat> there have been quite a few, but I think, one of my, and this is probably of the 13 years I've been working for Farm Progress, this is probably one of the my favorite stories ever. So, um, it was would have been about a year ago um, in the Pine Ridge in Nebraska. So, just south of the Black Hills across the border in Nebraska. Um, got on a ranch with a forester friend of mine. Um, that had been burned, about 3,000 acres had been burned on their ranch during a a wildfire in 2012, where there was a lot of wildfires. And uh, they uh, relied quite heavily on logging income, you know, to pay their taxes on their land. They did a lot of custom grazing, but, you know, relied a lot on on the Ponderosa Pine logging industry. And uh, the fire burned up just a ton of their Wood and forestry resources, and they were trying out different um, different strategies on replanting some of the ponderosa pine up in the Pine Ridge. And the reason I loved it was, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of elk up there. Um, it's beautiful country. It's rugged with high buttes. It's got a lot of Native American history, and if you're a Nebraska history nut like me, um, it's just one of the prettiest and best places to be in the state. And the and the ranchers were so. Good to me. And at the end we had a nice meal in the in their you know, took us in the house and when we came out came out of from the meal on their porch, there was about a dozen mule deer eating on their front lawn. So that's kind of that's the kind of country it was in. So mm-hmm. that has to be one of my favorite favorite stories, favorite days on the job, you know, all time. So that was a lot of fun.
0: It's was so great to go out and have those days, not even just the story itself, but kind of get beyond the story and just the time we spend with the farmers and ranchers and how they invite us out onto their place and and treat us like family is always such a great part of the job, right?
1: Well, you know, that's just sharing part of the backstory, I think is part of the fun part where, you know, you, our readers and listeners, you know, wouldn't necessarily see that. Um, some of the interesting things that happen while you're out in the farm getting, you know, getting these stories. But that's really the fun part is getting to know the farmers and the ranchers and the, and their families a lot of times. And uh, it's always surprising to me how open uh, farmers and ranchers are with us. You know, they, they're anxious to share um, what they're doing with us and with our readership, which is very helpful. And Literally, I'm sure you find this, too. That's just the fun part of the job. I mean, it just really is getting to know people in different mm-hmm. parts of our, our coverage areas, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, so you, I don't think you said, this is the next question I have on my list. I don't think you told us where you got your higher education. Where did you go to school? And do they have a football team? That's yeah. my question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I went to NDSU up here in Fargo, North Dakota. I finished my undergrad in animal science and ag communications. And then when I was working for extension, of course, I stuck around and got my master's of education in extension education, and human development. And I'm a very proud Bison fan, even when they lost to UND, which is a horrible loss to make about up here in North Dakota. Um, very proud of them. They're still making it through the playoffs. And I know they've made it at least to the semifinals. So very happy with the NDC Bison football team. And Kurt, how do you feel about going to what's now called a volleyball school instead of a football school?
1: <laughs> I'm just fine with that. You know, when I was in college at the University of Nebraska, I got an animal science degree. I think I only took one journalism class when I was there, actually. A lot of science mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, we had a great football team back in the '80s, and and uh, yeah, not so much anymore. <laughs> but we are definitely a volleyball school. My daughter is a senior at UNL right now in animal science, and she was at that um, volleyball day in Nebraska Memorial Stadium when they had 92,000 fans and broke a bunch of records, attendance records. And uh, she has, I think, she's made it to most of the home volleyball games this year. So they're doing quite well in in volleyball. Um, football we, we'll talk about that next year so there's always next year
0: <laughs> all right Definitely. Sarah,
1: next on my uh, question so Kurt- list this is gonna be a hard one for you really hard one I know so I, oh, I know yeah. a little bit about Sarah I know she's a horse person because I am too so if you had to tell us yes. about your favorite horse what would it be
0: it's actually not that hard of a question for oh, me okay. so right now the horse I have now is a head horse I bought from somebody out in western South Dakota or Western North Dakota. Um, his name is Marvin because they did not know his name when I bought him. He's 19 and so I just picked kind of like an old man name that I liked for him. And so that's why his name is Marvin <laughs> um, And I have been learning how to team rope the last couple of years. and so that's what I really liked about this horse in particular, the two others before. I loved them too, but they were my barrel horses in high school and college and my 4-H show horses. Um, And this is kind of the one that I like went out of my comfort zone to buy a roping horse, which I had never done before. So that was a fun experience. and That's why it's my favorite. So, but this might not be, maybe it's an easy question. Maybe it's not. But I know you always are a big fan of the antique machinery. And so what's your favorite model of antique tractor?
1: Well, I can answer the horse question too, but I'm not going to today. But uh, I could. <laughs> but yeah, I would. I would say Next like time. for my an antique tractor, um, it'd have to be a Farmall Super H because that was the very first tractor I drove. Um, I think I was probably, hmm, I bet I was eight or nine, and and my dad put it in granny gear, and I had to navigate uh, the tractor and a wagon uh, through a maze of small square bales. And so it was going so slow, he could just hop on the drawbar and stop it if he had to. And all I had to do was steer. And uh, dad would throw the bales on the back of the wagon and I had to turn around on the end, you know, so that but we had that Super H a long time, no longer have it. Unfortunately, (laughs) we have a Super M though, for those of you who know your tractors. But yeah, Super H Farmall, that was an awesome little, little tractor.
0: So no air seats or cab or AC or GPS on that (laughs) track. Well, yeah, we had air conditioning.
1: It was just cabless. Yeah, no, no cab. That was your air. Yeah, (laughs) the seat. Yeah, that was a whole nother thing. It was, you know, it was kind of a bouncy seat. So, you know, you just went with the Mm -hmm. went with the bumps. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: So, so Sarah, question for you. So what would be your favorite way to spend a day off?
0: So this kind of ties back into the, the horse, the horse thing. So my favorite way to spend a day off is I love those days. Um, My significant brother and his whole family and I, we all team rope. Um, But I love when we go to just a rodeo somewhere across North Dakota, maybe it's down to South Dakota, depends on the region, depends on the day. Um, We spend all day at the rodeo hoping when we go to a friend's house and just go and team rope and practice and kind of hang out, have a cold one in the arena, um, those long summer days out in the arena up here we have in North Dakota are just some of my favorite but Kurt what's your favorite way to spend a day off can't be doing farm work or housework or yard work it's got to be a well, fun answer
1: yeah that that would be that would probably be part of it but I would say you know right now with our <clears throat> with a couple two of my daughters are out of the house but our our younger sons are around and they're busy playing basketball and baseball in the summer and that's I love following the kids and uh, and going to those activities and part of it is I think you get close to the other families that have kids that same age and uh I'm I'm the old man kind of now mm-hmm. because uh, our youngest is in 7th grade but um you know we we go to everything we go to all the basketball my son is playing basketball now we're going to all the games and uh actually both sons are playing basketball so we we spend a lot of time in gyms but actually another thing on the farm though one thing I really like to do is I enjoy being out in the woods I I'm I like trees I like being out cutting wood I enjoy just piling up brush I don't know what it is it's a weird thing but it's just I don't think about anything and uh, Mm -hmm. it's relaxing for me to cut wood I know it's just it's got to be a psychotic thing I'm not sure but it's just a weird thing that I enjoy doing so yeah
0: that must be why you have your uh, Farmstead Forest column in all of our Farm it. Progress yep. publications. Know, it's like it's how just, much you like all the trees, right?
1: Just another excuse to write about trees. Yeah, to be, <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, <laughs> I, you know, when I, when I was first out of college, I worked for Extension for a short time while I was farming and stuff. And that year, for whatever reason, all the questions that came into the county Extension office were tree related. I don't know why. They just were. And so I got to be good friends with several foresters in Nebraska because I was always asking them questions for our, you know, clientele that would come in the office. And they kept telling me, you know, I I learned a lot about insects, diseases, all kinds of things about trees. And uh, I think that's why. I think that kind of stems from going back then and and probably some of the friendships I made and networking I made with the trees. So, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird (laughs) thing for me. So, so I have another question for you. So, th- and this is all- this would be a hard one for me to answer. Would you rather, were you ready? Or would you rather get up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. to travel for an interview, a story, or get home from a story from traveling at 4 a.m.? Which one?
0: That is a great question. So my thing is I, when I'm doing a story or I have a conference or an interview or I'm traveling whichever way, I do not want to have to be able to if I can't leave my house before Starbucks opens, like I have to be able to stop and grab a coffee when Starbucks opens at five or I will go the night before is my rule. Um, so maybe it must it's got to be the coming back from a story at 4 a.m. I mean, if I have enough caffeine and coffee and I like those bubblers and like those energy drinks, if I have some of those, then I'm set because I know I got back from Husker Harvest Day's. This year when I drove back from Grand Island, Nebraska, back to Bismarck, I got home pretty dang late. So that's my that's my answer is I'd rather get home at 4 a.m. How about you?
1: Well, it's a tough question for me, too, although I think I think a couple times this year I got up at 3 a.m. to travel for a story and didn't get home until about 2 a.m., you know, because <laughs> a long, long trip from one end of the state Oof. to the other without an overnight And, uh, Mm -hmm. but I would say I'd rather get up early. I just prefer getting going and, uh, you know, especially if I have to travel West, I gain an hour because of the time zone change in Western Nebraska. So um, yeah, I'd rather get going early, but but I've done both. And uh, I used to be known as a night owl, but not so much anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I am neither a morning person or a night person. I am a solid yes. middle of the day. I am most productive unless I am heavily caffeinated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what is a fun fact that you would share with other folks that nobody else knows about at conferences and meetings? What's, what's something if somebody said, what's a fun fact about Sarah?
0: So that's one of two fun facts I'd pull out my back pocket, depending on what group of people I was with. So before I attended NDSU, I was going to go to UND for cello performance. So I had been playing cello since I was seven years old and I played all the time. I was in chamber music and orchestra and did private lessons and solos and played at weddings and did a ton of work. And I was really invested in the fine art scene before I started um Back in ag, which I was always involved in ag through 4-H. And that was the other story is that if I was in the fine arts group, I would talk about how I showed cattle and had horses and rodeoed in that scene. So it's kind of like a twofold answer. But what's your fun fact, your elevator speech about yourself? Well,
1: and that that's quite different. You know, And it, I didn't know that about you, about the cello. So I oh, I have yeah. a musical family. My daughters, you know, everybody plays band, all of the kids my wife, mm-hmm. sax, you know, flute, trombone, all that, except me, not me. I am not musical. I love music,
0: but oh. <laughs> not, not
1: in my genes. So, oh, that's really cool. My nice. fun fact, right, I just, I'm a New Year's baby. I was the first, first baby born in Yankton in the hospital in Yankton, South Dakota in 1964. And that year, you know, now the first baby born gets all the cool gifts and stuff. Yeah, Nothing. Nothing, yeah. not a thing that year. So
0: nothing.
1: Oh no, no. My gypped. mom got skunked. Yep, yep. Dad <laughs> didn't even get a good tax deduction because I gosh. was born on January one. So oh my yeah, gosh. I know. Not
0: even the taxes.
1: What a disappointment. Oh. I know, but yeah, that's right. my fun fact. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not. I don't like the baby part. You know, New year, I was born on New Year's. Yes, but not the mm-hmm. baby part. So so we've been talking a little bit about you know traveling and stuff earlier um what you know if you had to pick one topic that you like to write for dakota farmer what would it be
0: so i think some of my favorite stories to cover is how i'm going to say my favorite thing but i love to cover branding stories um like ranchers going out and doing their annual branding it's just such a cool event always get to cover the photos are always fantastic and you get that really like you get treated like a part of the family and I know I've been on ground crew with my camera slung around my shoulder when I go out to some of these ranchers places and and do their do branding stories so that's my absolute favorite thing but anything livestock related is is my jam with that animal science background so what about you I'm guessing you're a little little ranchy or maybe it's trees that you like to cover better
1: I do I yeah but I mean cattle I just you know, really enjoy mm-hmm. covering cattle, going out on ranches as much as I can. I was I had the opportunity a few years ago to go really on a good remote sandhills cattle ranch on a tour, and that was really a great day on the job too. So any day I can be out on out in the pasture is good. But I I really like covering Western Nebraska crops, and you get you get in on a lot of those same crops: mm-hmm. sugar beets, dry beans. You know, I mean uh, sunflowers, for instance, um, and the wheat fields of course but I enjoy those crops and I think part of it is because I didn't grow up around you know we were pretty much corn and soybeans some small grain and alfalfa but not you know obviously not mm-hmm. the sugar beets and some of the other crops that are pretty typical in the high plains which I, I really enjoy writing about that kind of stuff um, but I like water stories and forestry stories too because I think they're really important they're mm-hmm. always interesting and that kind of thing and farmer features obviously but but yeah, I'm kind of like you. I really like the livestock end of it too. So that's always always kind of my yeah. pinch. Although you know, we we write a lot about agronomy, so we you know we all learn learn a lot yes. from the experts, right?
0: <laughs> so mm-hmm. that
1: that's kind of yeah. part of. Thank it. Thank
0: goodness for those industry experts.
1: Yes, yeah. yes, and I, I took a lot, a lot of agronomy. We in always college, write about the crops, right? Yeah. And, and crops, you know, everything is, everything is interrelated in ag anyway. So, but, uh, but the livestock are the fun stories along with like for me, the Western Nebraska crops. So, all right, we're going to shift away from ag. I got to ask you this one question because I, I know the answer that I'm okay. going to give, but uh, tell us what your favorite place okay. is to get a burger and why.
0: So one of my favorite places, and this is back, so I lived in Fargo, North Dakota, um, For like seven years before I moved out to central North Dakota. And my favorite place to get a burger, it's like the Bison Sports Bar right across the street from campus. And it's called Herd and Horns. And they have a burger there. And it's kind of like a breakfast burger. But it's called the Kier Burger. And so that was my favorite thing to go get. At like my Saturday lunches or anything I would do. And a cool thing about that place is all the beef um, comes from the NDSU beef unit. So it's very, Uh, very local. It's just right up the road of where, um, that beef is sourced to. So that's my favorite, favorite burger. Every time I go back to Fargo, I stop in there, get that same burger with a fried egg on top. It's just the best. What's your favorite burger place to get it?
1: It's that's easy and it's close. So I, I live just on a farm just south of Crofton. So it's in northeast Nebraska. And Weeble House Recreation, everybody locally calls it Waltz because Walt Weeble House, Walton, his wife Eva owned it, <laughs> started the place. And now his, his uh, son and his wife Brian and Debbie run it. But it's a Waltz burger, all right? It's huge, it's loaded, the best beef you'll ever have. And yeah, you better come hungry if you're going to go for a Waltz burger at, at Weevil House in Crofton, but yeah, I mean, they're bacon nice. double cheeseburgers, excellent too, but go for Oof. the Waltz burger. That's the best.
0: How I had I the my, my
1: daughter had a friend who was from Argentina on the soccer team in college mm-hmm. in Yankton, and he came to Crofton to visit the farm. We took him out to Waltz to eat, and he had one of those burgers, and he said, this is the best burger I've ever had in my life. Granted, he's only 22,
0: awesome. but
1: that's pretty oh. good, pretty you good know. advertisement for Waltz, <laughs> I think so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I that was
1: pretty funny. OK,
0: so another another burger question for mm-hmm. you. Do you eat your french fries first or do you eat your burger first? Like you get that plate. What do you eat first?
1: I'm eating the fries. Not finished
0: fully, but like what do you first take a bite of? Yeah. Oh
1: no, The fries I first. The I don't know. Why is 100%. that? I don't know. Mm hmm. I don't know why it is.
0: I don't know. I'm a huge fried, big fried potato fan. Yep. All, all potatoes are good potatoes in my book. So I always <laughs> eat the fries first because a burger, if it cools off a little bit, is still good. But if the fries like lose that crispiness, then they're just like not the same. So you got to get them while they're good. Always with ranch.
1: And they have to be hot. All the time. Yeah, good and hot. You're right. You're right. I yeah, think that is hot. why. Partly mm-hmm. too, I think I want to look forward to the burger. So you go for the fries first and you think, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm saving the best for last. I don't know.
0: Right. 100%. (laughs) I get made fun of for always eating my fries first, but that I think is the way to go. And it looks like we're in agreement. So
1: I think we are. I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. So here's the last question for you. We'll get off the burgers and french fries before I start getting hungry. (laughs) Um, What is your favorite thing you have on your desk or like in your office?
1: Oh. That, yeah, boy, that is a really hard I, a really hard question. Um, I would say on my desk, I better stick with that because that I've got a lot of artifacts from <laughs> the old times and Nebraska farmer mm. from um, years ago, which are really cool. But you know, I have a great photo of my wife and I and the kids and the family and all that. And I mm. love that right on my desk. But my favorite thing on my desk is um, a photo of uh, myself and my dad that my daughter made into a little plaque. And it was uh, the two of us posed for a photo after we were done cutting silage. So, I lost my dad in 2010. We farmed together for 20 years. And, Mm -hmm. you know, other than my wife, he's probably my, was probably my best friend, you know, and I'd do anything to be able to talk to him again. But that Mm -hmm. was, that's kind of a neat little picture that reminds me on his, on my desk every day. So, so that's probably mine. How about yours? What do you got on your desk?
0: Well, so it's actually not on my desk because I'm the type of person where if I have stuff on my desk, I like can't think straight. So I have like a <sighs> gallery wall hanging up like where I can look at <laughs> uh, behind my desk. That's what I'm going to count it. And it's got all kinds of like the weird and funky like Western prints. And then I have like some family pictures. Um, I have like a hand painted disco ball from a friend and I got my cowboy hat hanging up on the wall. So those are kind of my favorite things. And it's just like a fun background. You know, all of us at Farm Progress, um, almost entirely all work from our, out of our houses, out of our homes. Um, so you really got to customize your office in your house that you're spending so much time in. So are you, perfect. are you
1: doing some roping this some um, this uh, winter as we're going into the winter months? You,
0: you know, I am a solid, I know some people really like to rope. Yeah, we do some team roping. We actually team roped all the way into December because we still had such a long winter or long long fall, I guess is basically how you say it. I know Mm -hmm. it was like the winter time on like the calendar, but it felt like fall. We had a 60 degree day in December. So yes, we roped all the time and we've gotten some snow since then. So I don't know if we're gonna go back to roping. Um, we have a couple friends with the indoor arenas that we do not have, but some people love to rope in their cowboy hats. I am not one of them. I like just a ball cap and that is usually what I rope. in. I feel like maybe I'd knock my cowboy hat off my head, depending on how good I picked up my swing, but. Yeah, but I know and I'll for sure be dusting be, off my cowboy hat and getting it reshaped.
1: I was going to say it would need to be reshaped yeah, yeah, a lot if for you sure. knocking it off while you are roping, that's true. So, yeah. Oh
0: my gosh, knocking it off, getting stomped on, something.
1: <laughs> so we've talked, <laughs> we've kind of went through all these questions and kind of hopefully let our listeners know, you know, just a little bit more about ourselves personally. Um, but I suppose we should get around to what, you know, listeners can expect from this podcast going, you know, what exactly is FP Next going to bring to us down the road here, Sarah?
0: Great question again. So you can expect a few different things um from us here at FP Next. It is not always going to be the curtain Sarah show. Um, but they will have a few different types of episodes each month. Um One of those will be taking a deep dive into the agriculture industry with an expert source to get to the down low on topics that matter to all of us. Our next episode um, coming up is actually going to be one of these deep dives, and it's going to cover everything about grain marketing. So kind of like a marketing 101. And our Farm Futures market extraordinaire, Jacqueline Holland, who is actually titled as our grain market analyst, um, is going to be sharing the need to know of grain marketing 101 with us. So that's going to be one type of story.
1: Yeah, everybody wants to know about marketing. So I think Jackie will have a lot of good Mm -hmm. answers for us for that. Um, And then in some of our follow up episodes, you know, some of these will be shorter than others. Um, We're going to call them farm files. And we'll be covering some of our favorite stories and backstories that, you know, as we kind of discussed today um, from our team of editors all across the country, different topics, different crops, different livestock. Unique challenges, but all presented kind of in a short, easy-to-digest episode.
0: And finally, in case you can't get enough from Kurt and I, our final style of episode each month will be covering some of our favorite and hard-hitting news stories from around the Farm Progress publications, and these will be our Shop Talk episodes. For other upcoming episodes, you can be expecting to hear a crash course in Grain Marketing 101 and about the Wild West of agriculture, biologicals. And then also about every farmer's favorite beverage, the journey of making barley into beer.
1: Yes, I'll be waiting for that one for sure. Um, you know, we're really yes. excited to let, you know, let our listeners join. it. You know, we, we're really excited to join you on the farm, in your field, um, in your tractor or combine cab. Um, we want to thank everyone today for tuning in and, and visiting with us. And uh, we want to give a special shout out to our digital and marketing team members who put in a lot of work with us. And that would be Jen Kokel and Grace Rinchy. They're the best. Absolutely the best.
0: Yes. And Farm Progress is full of some of the best people. So you want to be sure to keep up with all those best people on our social media pages. And you can follow Farm Progress daily to stay up to date with ag news and more. And then Kurt mentioned all of those regional publications we have and the digital ver- edition is available online at farmprogress.com so be sure to check out your regional news and then tune into our next episode of FP Next to find out why women are actually better at grain marketing and how you can always get the best price for your crop.
1: Well no promises on that one Sarah. <laughs>
0: If it's agriculture, your friends at Farm Progress have you covered. Wishing you all great weather and high yields, and we'll see you next time.